Hello, bonjour, and salamu alaikum. Welcome to Stand Up From The Crowd, the first live podcast about no BS leadership. So if you like us, tell your friends and colleagues to go over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to give us a five-star review because listen, the stories we share on this podcast are worth it. We are worth it. Don't you think so? I hope you do, people. Did you know that since computing began in the 40s, women have led major developments in programming and software development? In 1984, I wasn't born yet, 37% of computer science majors were women, and that number dropped to 18% in 2021. So my question here is what happened? Why do we have too few women in tech? Our standout guest, Lakshmi Baskaran, is VP of Engineering at Metadata.io, and we are going to explore her journey as a woman leader in the tech world. We will delve into how her dedication to coaching and empowering women has not only shaped her own path to success, but has also positively impacted the landscape of technology leadership. Hello, Darren. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me in the podcast. And, you know, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because, as I said, as I was doing the research, I came across those statistics and I was quite surprised. We know that in the past few years, uh, you know, there have been a push uh, to get more women in STEM and to get more women involved in science, mathematics, technology and so on. And then I realized that, oh, my God, a couple of uh, decades back, that wasn't the case. And so I'm really curious to learn more about your own path into becoming a senior leader in technology and what it was like, you know, to pave your own way. So let's start with the beginning. Lakshmi, did you know from a very early age that technology would be what you would do for a living? So walking back to my memory lane, um, one thing I recall very vividly is like when I was growing up, I spent most of the summer holidays assembling and disassembling computers to a greater extent that I used to annoy my mom a lot because she was like, what is happening around the home? Like everywhere I have all my um, devices and everything spewed around, like you're back, you're in summer vacation, but the house is like an absolute mess, right? So that was most of my summer vacations. I didn't know at that point in time, I wanted to take or have a career in technology. I graduated from high school, like most Southeast Asian families, I was given two choices. You either be a doctor or you be an engineer. So that was a very easy choice to make. Given my childhood passion with technology, I was like, I'm going to choose computer science and engineering. That brings me closer to computers. And that helps me to play more with computers without having to give mom an excuse. So that's what made me step into computer science and engineering. So something I chose for my own passion turned out to be a career for myself where I was able to leverage both my technical and uh, leadership skills to elevate myself in my career. Did you have any role models within your family or maybe outside of, of your family? It's clear that you were bothering mom <laughs> with all the mess around. That's something that came from within, obviously. But did you have any role models you were looking up to? 
I think uh, growing up, I did not have any role models on the technology side of the business uh, because technology was fairly new. A lot of my friends and seniors were just exploring technology as I was growing up. But I think one thing that was very clear when I think back is like, I always had a strong urge to succeed in whatever I do. And this was early on from my school days and college days. I wanted to be the most successful person in whatever I'm doing. Um, so one of the things I also do vividly remember, this is one of my, from my friend's parents. So this friend of mine, a super funny person, um, very personable and very friendly to be around, but they were not good at school. They didn't perform well in exams. They didn't have good grades. So this friend's parent comments to my friend one day out of, I believe, pure um, exhaustion, saying that I don't care or I don't mind what you do in your career, but whatever you choose to do, I want you to be the best at it. So basically he's saying, Based on your scores and grades, I don't have high aspirations of, for you, but I want you to be the best in whatever you choose to do. I think that inherently set deeper in me. I did truly care what I wanted to do because I wanted to be very successful in what I was doing. But this thing of what I heard from a friend through their parent is like, I want to be the best at what I'm doing. Uh, that truly stuck with me, both in my personal and in my professional career. And looking back, I think that's something that I always leaned back on to be the best at what I'm doing that took me through the rest of my career as well. I can I can relate to some parts of what you're saying, you know, because when you have yeah. that drive from within, then everything that you hear that will feed that drive, you're like, oh yeah, this is me. This is what I'm, I am meant to achieve. This is the way I am meant to do it. So let's do it. This person is really talking to my to my heart. And so I guess this drive was very critical in the success of uh, your own career. Do you have faced some challenges growing your career, but specifically being a woman in a male-dominated uh, environment. So can you share some of the challenges you faced uh, while growing your career and how did you overcome them? Leadership by itself is a very isolated role to have. At the helm of your career ladder, I mean, you feel a lot lonely because there are not many people who you can associate with. There are not many peers who you can talk to and you are navigating through a lot of challenges yourself. So leadership by itself is a very challenging position or a role to be in. Adding to that, being a female engineering leader where you have very less representation of women in engineering and even less representation of women in engineering leadership roles. Um, so no doubt, it is a very challenging position to be in. Uh, but having said that, um, we cannot use that as a leaning indicator. That should be always our lagging indicator. Yes, being a woman in engineering leadership is a tough job. What am I going to do about it, right? Because mm -hmm. nobody's going to hand over a silver platter with everything that we need in order to progress in your career. So one thing I realized and one of my uh, early mentors coached me is like, you set your career path 
and you decide what you want to do in order to navigate and progress in your career path and i think that's a very valuable piece of advice yeah um most of us we think about your career progression that your organization offers or you be expected the manager to have a conversation with us about our promotion or about our next role that we should be having instead flip the coin and say this is how i want my career path to be and that could be like whatever you think is valuable for yourself whatever you think it blends with your personal and professional needs so once you define what your career path is then you bring all the elements together to actually make that happen for you and this is a very strong piece of advice i want to um offer to anyone who wants to um step or have aspirations to be a to be a leader let it not an engineering leader but to be any leader um so once you have your path uh, set and once you've defined what you want to do now is where you go and ask for support and help how do you do that right um it's important you have some actionable insights here so one of the core things about not just leadership but whatever you want to do great whatever you want to do well is having that self awareness of what are your strengths what are your weaknesses what are your setbacks what do you need to work on in order for you to progress in your career ladder and this is a continuous learning journey it's not that you think about your strengths and setbacks once learn about it improve it and you're set forever that's not how it works it is more of a continuous journey of learning how your strengths are and your strengths sometimes gets elevated and what are your challenges and what challenges are making you um are putting you behind in terms of taking your leadership journey or career journey so the self awareness comes to a greater extent and i go through this exercise every 6 months it's a very simple exercise take a piece of document write what you think your strengths are what you think are setbacks and challenges are and interestingly you see if you compare notes between the last few um quarters that you've done this exercise you see your strengths get elevated your strengths change your challenges are improving or new challenges are forming because you are up for something great in your career right so it's not that you have the same challenge every time you have new challenges you have new setbacks and you have new strengths you acquire new skills mm-hmm. and new strengths mm-hmm. as well so it's very important to go through this self awareness exercise great you have crossed the first hurdle what after that so when you know your these are your challenges the most important thing is to like have a coach to actually help you address those challenges people who are already in leadership they have great trust upon themselves when they are more self aware they know look i know what i need to solve great you can put all the work to solve your challenges but what truly helps is having a working partner who can actually truly and honestly tell you where do you truly suck what do you truly need to improve and this person will be your mirror right in front of you walking with you through the journey of helping to elevate your strengths and improve your weaknesses and challenges so i highly recommend whoever has done the self awareness journey or going to do the self awareness journey hire a coach or work with a coach who can actually help you address some of your challenges and when you hire a coach um it's most important to also understand that different parts of your career need different types of coaching style it's not just one coach who could help you through the entirety of your career in the early part of your um career you need a coach who can finesse your execution style 
In the mid part of your career, you need a coach who can actually finesse your strategy, finesse your team building, and finesse your empathy towards customers. And as you go through different career um, journey, you need a different coach to actually help you through it. So you are being self-aware. You are working with someone who can help you through it. And the most important thing is to look for allies because the growth in your career comes not just from you. Yes, you're a badass engineer. You're a badass leader, but you need allies to help grow your career. And one thing more specifically for women leaders are look for men allies who can help elevate your career. All said and done, men have more voice on the table, primarily because there are more men on the decision table. And the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today is because of some of the great male leaders I had in my career who helped to elevate my career. So men are good allies. So bring great allies along with you on the journey. And last but not the least, be part of a community because community is a great wealth of support and information. And if you're an engineering leader, be part of an engineering community. If you're a sales leader, be part of a sales community. You cannot spend a lot of time reading everything, absorbing everything in web and uh, learning everything, right? But with community, you share experiences, you share knowledge. So with experience and knowledge, you grow a lot yourself and you're able to help others as well. Um, I said it's the last, but I wanted to add one more thing, um, which is something I've recently started doing, which is a great help and support to me, is by having my own personal boardroom. What do I mean by my personal boardroom is like, I have um, some great leaders I look up to, the people I want to, um, the people I want to be a clone of, the people I want to be in their roles. I have them in my personal boardroom, and we meet every quarter to talk about um, my aspirations, to talk about what I'm doing, and also to learn from them how they stepped into their roles. Um, and this is a very helpful, uh, this is a great help to me and great valuable advice that I get from them. And these people are my confidence because as I said, leadership is a very lonely journey. And I always reach out to people in my personal boardroom saying, hey, I am at this crossroads of making a decision. And these are the various data points I have. And this is the decision I want to make. So can I brainstorm with you to see what I'm addressing here? And I have a very strong personal boardroom and I'm in the personal boardroom of a few others as well. And this is a huge help. I know this was a long response, but I think these pointers are truly important for yeah. aspiring women leaders, regardless of whether you're an engineering product or um, revenue or sales. I mean, having these elements surrounding you will help you to succeed. You mentioned quite an interesting point, and I feel like we are having a strategy one-on-one, uh, -on -one, uh, <laughs> successful <laughs> strategy one-on-one. -on -one. So thank you so much for that, uh, Lakshmi. You mentioned a few things that are very important, self-awareness, uh, the strategy that you lay out around your own career path, and finding male allies, and you know, building your own personal boardroom. You know, I feel like we hear it a lot, especially for women working in male-dominated environment, like find men allies, right? Men do support women. It is true. Prior to becoming a, an entrepreneur, I had a very successful international career because of the support of men who opened doors and introduced me to people, right? Wonderful. And, yeah, we want to be loud and clear about this. Men are great supporters of women. 
Um, yes, we always come across one or two of those who are um, who is not supportive of women's career progression. But as I said, I'm doing what I am doing because of some great male managers and male, male leaders I had in my career, and so did you. So I'm sure many women can speak to this as well. Oh, 100%. We want to acknowledge them because it's really important to mention that as well. I feel like we oftentimes hear the narrative or, you know, sexism in the, the workplace or the challenges in the workplace, which are real, right? And it's important mm -hmm. to pick up also about it. But I think it's important also to bring some balance and to realize and to make aware that you will find a lot of men who are willing and ready to support other women. Now, my question to you how do you identify the right people either to become one of your male supporters or to become someone who you believe should be part of your personal boardroom? How do you identify them? How do you know who you should connect with? Um, there are certain elements to think about when you decide to build your personal boardroom. What kind of people do you want to be in your personal boardroom? And personally, I made a decision that I, when I wanted to build my personal boardroom, I want people from whom I can learn. I want people who can be very honest and open to me about what I'm not doing well, because it's very easy to know what I'm doing well, but it's very uh, easy to overlook what I'm not doing well. So I want people who can be very open, honest, and transparent, saying, Lakshmi, you truly are not doing well on this, and this is an area that you need to pick up on in order for you to progress in your career. So these were the two most important things. And the third thing is I want people in my personal boardroom who are influencers in the industry as well. So say, for example, if I'm looking for my next role, I want to be able to go on to my people in my personal boardroom to say, hey, I think I'm ready for my next role. So could you connect me, connect me with uh, people, um, the specific people in the industry, or could you connect me with the organizations who could truly take uh, the help of someone like me to help them grow their business. So these are some three key elements. Just to summarize, people from who you can learn, people who can be very open and transparent about your challenges and setbacks so you can work on them, and three people who are key influencers um, in the industry. So back to your question about um, how do you find them? Um, unlike most people think, hey, it's very hard to build a personal boardroom and even harder to build a personal boardroom with key influencers of the industry. Um, I think that is probably a myth. Um, I have reached out to few people who are some named individuals in the industry who most people look up to. And I told them, why do I want them to be in my personal boardroom? And what does it mean in terms of time commitment? Because when you're reaching out to these industry experts and influencers, time is a huge commodity for them. So I tell them, what is the time commitment required? And more importantly, it has to be a two-way street, right? Mm -hmm. If one of your uh, mentor or your member in your personal boardroom is spending time with you, it's great. They are giving the time to you so that you can learn from them. But also, what are they taking away from the conversation? And I always make sure I go into my a conversation with my personal boardroom directors about what I'm going to give. And that could be as simple as something that I've learned, a book I was reading, and what I gathered from the book. Because most of my members in the personal boardroom are either entrepreneurs, CEOs, or CTOs and CAOs. So we share a common wavelength of information. So I take bring to the table like about what I read, about what I experienced, 
some new things that I've learned um, in my job or some new things I've read in a book. So I bring that and in return, I get their uh, mental models, their thinking patterns, how they make decisions, which is super important if you ask for you to be a leader. Uh, most of my mentors, they they have scaled um, exponential sizes of teams. So how do they build and how do they operate with huge teams? So this is what I take away from them. So in essence, it is a two-way street. And once you make it a two-way street, your mentors and your personal board members are always happy to commit the time. And you're right, it can be quite simple. As you said, it can be, you know, like reading a book, making recommendations. Oftentimes I get the question from women, what, what do I bring? You know, those are like, top leaders, CEOs, and so on, influencers, as you said, and I'm just me. Yes, you are you, but you you are much more than what you think, and you can bring much more value than what you believe. Hence, if we come back to your earliest point, self-awareness is very, very important in terms of you knowing what you want, who you want to become, who is the leader you were meant to be, in terms of knowing what to do, what you can do, what you should do, and who you you should surround yourself with. And also in terms of being able to build those meaningful uh, relationships. Very, very important. And I do believe without self-awareness, it's really hard because if you can't identify your weaknesses, your strengths, you know, the area of opportunities, it's like a company, you know, you do a SWOT analysis, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and you look at all of these elements of your own personality, your own environment, and then this is the starting point from everything that you can develop later. Now, being strategic is very important, but still, when you look at the statistics, it is quite surprising. You know, in 1984, 37% of uh, tech leaders were women. Wow. By 2022, that number like had fallen very, very low. And this year, uh, in 2023, actually, it's 28%. So, and half of the women in tech leadership roles leave them by age 35, which is wow, yeah, wow, yeah. And mm -hmm. another data that is, I believe, very interesting, and I will pull it here on the computer for everyone to see. In 2022, all women startup teams received an all time low of 1.9% of mm -hmm. all available venture capital funding that year. You have a passion for empowering women in technology, right? And so my question to you is how can the tech industry foster an environment where women are encouraged to pursue a career in this field? Because clearly there is something happening here. And these statistics are truly heartbreaking, right? Um, the numbers are meant to um, trend up, not trend down. And uh, this is a very heartbreaking statistics. Um, let's talk about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And tech industry is or was at the forefront of DEI. Every big tech had a DEI function or a DEI department that was led by a very capable DEI leader with the goal of bringing diversity, not just in terms of gender, but in terms of race, in terms of ethnicity, in terms of sexual orientation. So bringing diversity across all angles in an organization. But why are we failing? Why are we time and again not meeting our goals or KPIs when it comes to DEI? Just think um, a year ago, um, when we were in the downtrend in the tech industry, 
there were a lot of roles that got hit and one of the departments of functions that was heavily hit um, in the tech industry is the DEI department or the DEI function because when there is war time in industry, why is DEI impacted? If we are truly committed to improving um, the, um, I mean, diversity in an organization, regardless of whether it's happy time or war time in your organization, you have to be committed to diversity. And when it comes war time, your DEI should not be the first function or the DEI people should not be the first people who should be removed from your organization, yeah. right? So this alone proves to that, yes, we talk a lot about DEI, but is there a true and genuine commitment towards improving diversity in an organization? Um, and more, most of the times when I think about why the DEI initiatives are failing, the way the DEI is goals and objectives are set in an organization is, most of the time, the DEI functions are separate from the core leadership or the core executive team. I've not been or I've not, I'm not aware of many organizations where the leader of the DEI is part of your core executive team in your organization. Mm-hmm. So imagine if a company is going through a huge business challenge, your uh, revenue is not increasing or your customer retention rate is taking it too deep, deep dip, right? So this becomes a very important conversation of the leadership team at the executive level. They look at ways how to address that, and then they hand over specific actions to the respective teams to solve the problem. But when it comes to DEI, the leadership team do not put a lot of effort and time to understand how to solve the problem. Instead, what they do is they set these goals and hand it over to the DEI team and tell them, go solve this come back and present to us in three three months and or every quarter about what you were able to achieve. So most of the times, these DEI teams are working in isolation, struggling on their own, trying to pave a path for bringing diversity to the organization. In order to make DEI, in order to put a true commitment to DUI, bring DEI as part of your regular core leadership regime, as you would do for increasing your sales or reducing your or improving your customer attention. And once you have this set up, um, the most important thing to do is do is yes, you have a strategy for DEI, but the execution of your strategy does not lie just alone with your DEI team. Each leader should own a slice of the strategy and each leader should then hand it over to their responsible respective teams to actually execute on the strategy. So when DEI becomes not just part or objective of one department, but a goal and objective of most teams and most departments in your organization, then you're truly elevating the need for diversity in your organization because you have more hands, more brains to think about how to improve diversity in the company. And everyone plays a role to do it rather than just your DEI organization working mm-hmm. in isolation. Uh, but, you know, during the more we talk about it, it is, as I said, it's always a two-way street. Yes, companies are making an effort to improve diversity, but do we have enough candidates to actually cater to the needs of the organization, right? Mm-hmm. So we need to work at the grassroots level to bring more women engineers into the colleges, into the universities, uh, to empower them, to put their hands up 
for uh, roles, leadership roles, or any challenging roles in the organization. So we need to build this pipeline as we can also empower or show organizations how to have a strong BI function. We also need to build the pipeline on the other side. So you need to meet between. One function cannot do the uh, do one part and leave the other function to not do anything. So we need to bring them both together to meet in between. And, and we have a great question from the audience. Uh, in your opinion, what are the unique strengths or perspectives that women leaders bring to the tech sector and how can organizations leverage this effectively? Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Um, so we talked about diversity. Um, it is not just women leaders, but having diverse people within your organization brings a diversity of thinking. Let me give you an example. You're talking about a new strategy or you're talking about a new project. Instead of having 100 naysayers, if you have a diverse team, if you have one naysayer to not just fully oppose the strategy, but showcase, give insight to how the strategy is weak and how the strategy will not help you win against your competitors, is diversity of thinking. You don't want everyone to be saying yes. You want few people to be able to think deeper, elevate some of the challenges and weakness of your strategy so you can build the strategy strong enough before you go into your execution mode, right? This is more about diversity of thinking. And you can think about it in several levels within an organization. Even within a team, if you have a very diverse team, you would always see different points of view, different opinions to come when you are making a decision. So that's very important so that you are making not just the best decision, but the right decision for the business. So diversity in thinking is elevated by having women or diverse people within your team. And I've always observed women are great at building very inclusive teams. There is a lot of emphasis on collaboration. So the teams led by women leaders are truly collaborative. They are they feel very confident and they feel less threatened to bring up their points of view, to bring up their opinions, even if their opinion is different or completely against the leadership opinion of the leadership. So women are true democratic leaders. And they're also, a lot of women leaders exhibit servant leadership style as well. So that builds a strong emphasis towards collaboration in organization. And who said women are not strong communicators? Women are excellent communicators. Uh, here is an example. Um, when, you, when you go to some of the teams led by men, but look, this is nothing against men. This is how we are wired internally as man and woman. Right. When I go to teams led by men, uh, the conversation is more about, hey, this is what we want to do. And sorry, the conversation is more about this is how we want to do it. They'll come up with a plan and this is how we want to do it. But women have a, a very contextual communicators. And what I mean by that is they'll start with why are we even doing this and what problem are we trying to solve? And then they'll bring the team together to say, how are we going to solve the problem? So the context of communication is very important to build the momentum and bring the team along with you to alignment. So I also see um, women are good communicators. And you know, Doreen, as women, we love work-life harmony. So if your leader at the top practices and exhibits work-life harmony, you're also bringing that then, then bringing the work-life harmony from top down as well. So I think these are the reasons why women are great leaders. <laughs> 
your self-speech is quite excellent, I would say. So I hope for those of you watching us and listening us, men and women, young people, but most importantly, young women, if you were questioning yourself about, you know, starting a career in the tech industry, go for it. Your voice matters and you deserve your seat at the table. So as a leader yourself and as a woman leader, what is your greatest achievement so far? I wouldn't call it as an achievement. I would call it as a learning. What have I learned um, in being in the leadership journey? So one thing I've learned is, um, like any career, like any role, like anything in your life, um, leadership is not set in stone. It is an evolution. Um, you will continue to learn every single day of how you want to grow as a leader or, or how you want to present yourself as a leader. Um, I want to share some of um, when I started my career as a leader, when I started my career in engineering and when I grew into leadership roles, one thing I took away from my leaders is more about leadership being an autocratic style, right? You tell your people, you direct them what you want them to do and you expect them to do it and then the results will follow through. So this is more of an autocratic leadership style, which is what I learned from some of my leaders. I started off my leadership journey being an autocratic leader. Very soon I learned, this is great for getting results, but this is not good for bringing alignment. This is not good for creating a momentum. This is not good for like bringing everyone with me to achieve an organizational outcome or a goal. So very soon I realized, yes, it's important to have an autocratic leadership style on certain instances, but the most important thing to bring team along with you is having a democratic leadership style, is being able to like share why we want to solve a problem, helping them and empowering them to come up with what we can do to solve the problem and how we can solve the problem. So if there's one thing that's very critical I learned as a leader is like there is no one style of leadership and you cannot just imbibe just one style. The best leaders are situational leaders. They know when to follow an autocratic, when to follow a democratic leadership style because they know what kind of style does the team need in order to get the job done. So um, instead of an accomplishment, this is a huge learning. And speaking to some of my mentors and personal board directors, they all say, yes, leadership is an evolution. What you are as a leader today is not the same and uh, not the same in a few years. So you continue to learn and continue to evolve yourself as a leader, but be open to learn different perspectives to leadership, be open to challenge yourself and be open for others to challenge you and give you feedback as well. What is the mark, and that would be my last question to you, uh, Lakshmi, mm -hmm. what is the mark you would like to leave in the tech industry? Um, I'd like to um, leave a legacy of um, women engineering, inclusivity in women engineering leadership. One of the things that we all struggle as female engineering leaders is that we don't have a lot of people to look up to because not many people have traveled the same journey as women leaders and not many people have, are experiencing similar or the same challenges as women leaders. So the legacy that I want to leave in the tech industry is like bringing a lot of women engineering leaders into the industry. So when my daughter grows up and if she decides to be in tech, there shouldn't be scarcity of engineering women leaders. We should have many mentors. We should have uh, many coaches to be able to help her and her peers accelerate their career in engineering leadership.
there is a lot of work to do, but the beauty of it though, there is a lot of room available for you to take up that space, you know, and you are yourself a role model to your daughter and to many other women. Thank you so much, Lakshmi. That was a wonderful conversation. People, I hope you have been taking notes. Otherwise, you will need to watch the replay, listen to the replay, because uh, Lakshmi shared a lot of valuable information, strategic steps. And this is what your mentor should look like. So if you are looking for a mentor, if you are looking for people to add in your personal boardroom, this is the kind of value they should bring to you in the relationship. So thank you so much once again, Lakshmi, for bringing that much value to this conversation. Thank you, everyone. You take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.